So fam, we've come to the last word of 2022. I hope this series has done something for you. I hope that God has been speaking to you and you've learned something. Uh, What I've done basically is to give you words for 2022. uh, And the words uh, have been remember, rich, refuse, rise, reputation, and resources. Uh, Basically, we can create this particular message. When you remember Jesus you are going to be rich. And when he is rich in your life, he will help you to rise and to grow stronger and better. Now, it is important that you make certain decisions so that you never refuse Jesus in your life. When you are progressing, when you are achieving something, Jesus needs to be king of your life. Now, when he is king of your life, you make sure that your reputation and your reality, they coincide and they match. And he'll provide every necessary resource that you need in order for him to show you out and to sustain you in the midst of the difficulty and the challenges of life. Because he has every intention to make you a pillar in the city of his God. He will give you permanence. He he promises permanence. So today we are looking at word number seven. And in the Bible, seven is the number of completions. So I thought today I need to complete the series and we're going to end it in style. And today we want to look at the words of Jesus to the church of Laodicea. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter number three and verse number 14. And I'm going to read most of the letter and the words of Jesus to the church. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of the creation of God says this. Man, oh man, pay attention to all those titles of Jesus, all those characteristics of Jesus. Notice what he says. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. Literally, you should read, I, I see your deeds. And please believe that Jesus sees your deeds. Whether they're good or bad, he sees them all. And be encouraged today that he's looking over you. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish, I wish, listen to Jesus right there. I wish that you were cold or hot. I don't want you in between. I want you on either side. That's better for me. That's what Jesus is saying. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and I've become wealthy and I've no need of anything. But you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Let's just run that one more time. You do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They don't realize their true condition. That is the word for the day. Realize. Realize. They don't realize what they really are. So Jesus, to help them realize, or if they have realized, he says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and eye salve to apply to your eyes so that you may see. 
pay attention to this one. And all of you who say you love someone else, when you say I love you, pay attention to these words. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Sometimes love is a little hard, a little strong. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Let us pray. Father God, we pray that you guide us today and lead us forward because we need you. Speak, O oh God. Be with this man who is messed up. He got issues. And may he be a conduit to communicate the love of Christ. This I pray in the awesome and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. We often value a thing based upon the view of a thing. If something doesn't please our eyes, we overlook it. Say amen if you can. We often judge the value of a thing based upon the view of a thing. If something is pleasing to our eyes, we value it. When we see that nice restaurant, we say that's a good place. When we see that tall brother, we say mm, he's handsome. Uh, brothers, when you see those curves, you say mm, mm, mm. That, that's, that's nice. Uh, perhaps here in Asia, curves are not such a big thing, but perhaps the legs and the arms and the hair, you know, beauty standards differ in many different places. And some things that we don't see as good, we tend to not value as good. Are you feeling what I'm saying? If she's not tall enough or he's not tall enough, we say, not, not good. If his accent is a little off and he makes mistakes in his verbs and adverbs and conjugations, we say he doesn't have good oratory skills. His rhetoric is a little off. If he's slow, we say, ah, well, he cannot be a part of this program. We're all about speed here because we tend to look and then evaluate and then value. The church of Ephesus was located in a city that looked good. Uh, let's come with me to AD 60 just to be able to help you to see Laodicea a little bit better. It was a place that anyone who wanted to do business and trade, they went to. Because Laodicea had a large, thriving black wool trade. They were good in making clothes. It was a fashion city. Laodicea was a place you went to to advance and do progress. Laodicea was the place where everybody from the Kampung wanted to go to. Laodicea was a place where you could grow in your career. It was a place where if you hustled enough, you would achieve and grow. Uh, Laodicea wanted to always find ways to flex its financial muscle. It built great architecture. 
there were gyms in Laodicea. Laodicea had theaters and temples. In fact, it had one of the largest temples that had no name and people wondered who was the God who was to be worshipped here because Laodicea liked it like that. They did not want to just commit to one God. They wanted to commit to everybody. Everybody should feel welcome in Laodicea. But one of the impressive things about Laodicea, they, they, they knew how to flex their financial muscle. And one of the ways they flexed their financial muscle was in AD 60, an earthquake hit the city. The emperor at the time communicated to the leaders of Laodicea and said, we want to help you. We offer you aid. And the leaders of Laodicea said, we don't need it. We got it under control. And, and so when you looked at Laodicea, you would say, wow, what a beautiful city. What, what an amazing place to be. But Jesus doesn't value a thing. Doesn't value a city, a person, a job based upon its looks. Jesus is attracted to character. Jesus likes to look beyond what is seen on the outside and look at the inward makeup of a situation. He, he wants to see what makes a person tick. He's interested in the motives. He's interested in the soft skills. Jesus wants to get to the heart of the matter. Uh, he wants to analyze and assess uh, the strength of a relationship. He wants to analyze and assess the strength of a church. He wants to know uh, what makes the love love. He, he's not interested in an Instagram kind of situation. He, he wants to know the mood that those, the, those who took the picture had when they took the picture. You feel me? Jesus wants to know the family dynamics that are happening in the house. Jesus is interested in the prayer life of the pastor. Jesus wants to know the, the honesty of a person. And this is what he's getting at in the city of Laodicea. Because the city of Laodicea has infected the church of Laodicea. And he has a message for the church he says to them, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. Check this now. I wish that you were cold or hot because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot. I will vomit you out of my life. Why? 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 Because you say <laughs> I am rich and have no need of anything. Laodicea had no need of anything or anyone. Jesus is saying to the church, you are self-sufficient. But in the eyes of Jesus, he says, though you say you are rich, though you are proud of your prosperity, though you value your valuables, though you glitter like gold, yet you are wretched. Uh, you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus say your self-sufficiency is producing poverty. <laughs> your belief in your material possessions is making you 
spiritually bankrupt. And Jesus explains the poverty of Laodicea by using nouns of misery. And I just want you to appreciate these nouns of misery. And maybe you can also appreciate where you are in faith today. Jesus says they are wretched. To be wretched is interesting because uh, the city is not actually wretched. They're rich. When we speak of being wretched, we are talking about somebody unable to get up from their bed because they have disease in their body. But the city of Laodicea can hire physiotherapists and doctors to help them get out of bed. They can do physiotherapy. So obviously their wretchedness is not physical, it is spiritual. Jesus says that they are miserable. To be miserable is to be sad all the time, not to be happy. But the church of Laodicea has money so they can buy happiness. They can go to Disney World. They can travel the world. They can see stuff. So, so obviously their misery is not material. Their misery is spiritual. Jesus says that they are poor. They don't like money. They can buy anything that they want. So obviously their poverty is not material. Their poverty is spiritual. Jesus says that they are blind, but they have the ability to put on their shoes and to see the color way on their shoes. They have the ability to, to match their brown belt with their brown shoes, and they have the ability to match their white shirt with their white shoes. So they can see. So their blindness is not physical. It is spiritual. Jesus says that they are naked, but they are able to buy underwear. They're able to buy socks. They're able to buy shirts and they're able to buy hoodies and caps. They're able to clothe themselves. So their nakedness is not material. It is spiritual. And Jesus is saying to the church, self-sufficiency incurs losses. It should be shunned at all costs like COVID-19. Hope you're feeling what I'm saying. Uh, you see, we need self-sufficiency today. It's a good thing to be self-sufficient because with the globalization that is just taking over the world, some of us have lost the ability to be self-sufficient. We depend on apps like Gojek and Grab to get us our daily needs, our food, uh, our medicines, our massages. We, we can simply press buttons and, and somebody will come literally on our door and help us out. Uh, we don't need to worry about getting to places. We have rides, we have cars, we have bikes. Uh, we, we are living in a very uh, dependent world. But I think that according to Econation.one, we need to come back to our self-sufficient ways. We need to be able to cook for ourselves, sisters. We need to be able to garden, brothers. We need to be able to clean ourselves, clean our houses, wash our shoes, and take care of stuff. The other day, I went to, to run with some friends, and my friend's shoes are always clean. And I asked, I said, why are your shoes always clean? He says, well, Henry, I clean them. And I, I said to myself, 
uh, it's about time for me to clean my shoes. You, you know what I'm saying? Some of us don't know how to do the basic stuff. We are not self-sufficient. If we don't have our parents, we don't know how to eat. We don't have our partners, our spouses. We don't know where to get food. We, we are dependent on our maids. We're dependent on our security guards to get stuff done. No, we need to be uh, self-sufficient in some things. You, you got to be able to read the Bible for yourself. You got to be able to pray for yourself. You feeling me? You got to be able to lead a Bible study by yourself. You got to be able to lead that family worship by yourself. You got to be able to be self-sufficient. And, and in fact, according to EcoNation.com, uh, they were saying that because of the greenhouse emissions and the need to protect the the, the planet, we, we need to be self-sufficient. We need to go back to gardening and to making our own clothes and that kind of thing. Uh, but, but check this. Uh, you cannot be self-sufficient spiritually. It can't work. Come on, say amen if you can for that one. You cannot be self-sufficient spiritually because it, it, it can never work. And this is what Jesus is getting at with the church of Laodicea because they feel like they don't need anyone. They got it all. Jesus is saying, no, you, you don't got it all. And I want to borrow the words of David in, in Psalm 73, 26, when he says, uh, my flesh, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Uh, notice David understood that his own heart could fail him. David understood that his own flesh could be ravaged by disease. He could not always look pretty. He could not always look handsome. He knew that stuff could fail, but he understood that he was sufficient on God. He says, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Again, David says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? He's asking himself a question. Where is my help coming from? He says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I hope you realize today that your help comes from the Lord. And I don't know where you're looking for help today, but please turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth, the helps of earth will somehow go strangely dim. Some of us, we are hoping and, 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 and thinking that it will be our parents to help us out of our financial difficulty. Some of us are hoping and praying that it will be a spouse coming into our life that's going to help us out in our family situation. Some of us think a teacher is needed to help us out to learn and to grow. But please understand that your true help your reliable help, your great help is found in God. Amen, somebody. And again, they say it three times a charm. I want to borrow the words of David one more time in Psalm 127 when he puts it like this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. I know you're putting energy into your work. I know you're putting energy into your health. You're consistent every morning, getting up and getting out the house and walking a certain um, kilometer count and you're eating a certain amount of calorie count. Uh, you're going to bed on a certain, a certain time. Uh, you're drinking water uh, in a specific amount. I know you're putting energy in, in calling your friends. I know you're putting energy into building up the portfolio of your company. I know you're putting energy into your studies. But the text says, unless your sufficiency is in God, all the energy you're putting into will not produce much. You are laboring in, in, in vain. I guess this is what I'm trying to communicate to you. 
Self-sufficiency can work spiritually because God is our sufficiency. And somebody today needs to learn and understand that you live, you have your being, and you move because of God. It ain't the alarm clock that wakes you up. It is God. It ain't the car that keeps you safe. It is God. It is not the medicines that you're taking that are giving you health. It is God. It is not because you are so wise and your brain cells are so strong that you're able to pass. It is God. Everything you got is is God. Every move that you make is because of God. Everything that you're providing for your family is because of God. And God forbid that will come to the day when we can say like Laodicea, I need nothing. I need no one. No, 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 no. You need God. He is your all. He is your everything. And I hope today you can realize that unless you embrace God as your sufficiency, life will not be as sweet as it can be. Life will not be as sweet as it should be. You see, some of our problems today are self-sufficiency problems. I'm coming to you now. You see, some of us rushed ahead of God. Therefore, we are in problems. We decided too quickly. We didn't pray about it. We made the move without consulting God. And therefore, we're in trouble today. We moved to a place without understanding that we needed to backtrack just a little bit before we make the move. And therefore today, because of our rushing, going ahead of God, thinking that God is too slow, praying like the Israelites and coming up with our own idols in Exodus 32, because God is taking too long. And somebody today thinks God is taking too long. He's not coming through for me yet. I've been waiting for so long. When is God going to come through? And therefore, because we cannot wait on God, we rush into it and we mess up. Somebody today has relied on technology more than God. You think that because you got a phone that works, you don't need to communicate to God. Uh, you think because you got a mobile app and you can do mobile banking, you don't need God to provide for your, for your needs. Uh, for, for, for some of us, our salaries simply just come into the account. Uh, we, we don't need to worry. The transfer just comes. And so technology seems to be our savior. And, 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 and we, don't need, we don't need God. Uh, some of us, we have reasoned out our faith uh, that it is no longer faith. That we doubt everything. For some of us, we, we dissect the scriptures. Uh, we consider some parts more inspired than others. And I, I said, who are you to decide what parts of scripture are inspired? Some of us, we talk like this. Oh, I tend to like the stories more than the prophetic sections. Wait a minute. You, you like the stories more than the prophetic sections? Uh, who are you again? Some of us, we, we are so intellectually astute that we, we start to, to question, was the Exodus really real? Can God really walk on water? The promises of God and the, the things that happened in the past are not happening now. Therefore, didn't, if it is, it is it's not happening now, it certainly didn't happen in the past. Uh, Self-sufficiency will not get you to the place that you're supposed to do. And some of us, because of our self-sufficiency, we refuse God to be the VIP in our lives. Other things have become VIP. People have become VIPs. Plans have become VIP. Projects have become VIPs. Things in our lives have taken the place that God is supposed to have. We've trusted jobs. We've trusted people. We've trusted money. 
But please understand, nothing on this planet is ever stable. Nothing on this planet is ever reliable, including you. <laughs> including you. Now, you see, what is sad about Laodicea, when you look at their self-sufficiency, is that they are believing something that is not true. And this is amazing. Because this idea crept up in my brain that it is possible to say something about yourself that's not true. It is possible to believe that you are this person, you are that person, but for that not to be true. And I want you to see the dialogue that takes place between Jesus and the church. Uh, notice what they say in comparison to what Jesus says. I'm going to help somebody right now. This is going to help you. Just track with me for a moment. You see, they say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have no need of anything. And you know why they're saying that? They are saying that because of their experience that is true. Say amen for that moment. You see, they are rich. Therefore, they are saying, I don't need of anything. I mean, if I have a million dollars in the bank account, definitely I might feel like, I don't need to work. And that is the logic that they're applying here. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And some of us, we apply the same logic to our lives. Uh, we say, because I've not been promoted, therefore, I should leave this job because nobody sees me. Are, are you seeing the connection? Some of us, we say, well, in our relationship, we don't know how to deal with issues. We just smile at each other. So therefore, that's our relationship. Some say, I've been dumb one too many times, therefore I can never be loved. And we make up these stories about ourselves based upon what is happening to us. If we're going through a difficult time, a difficult situation, Wow, I think God has left me. God, God no longer cares about me. God no longer loves me. Why? Because, well, the money's tight. Why? Because the love is, is hard. Uh, because the health is failing. Well, because we didn't get the grade we wanted. Because the girl that we liked found us a little too clumsy. Therefore, we... We look at the experience and make a story about ourselves. And the story could be good, it could be bad. And I know right now you are telling a story to yourself about yourself based upon what you're going through right now. But I want to help you today because we need to concentrate on the words of Jesus because the words of Jesus seem to counteract the experience of the people of Laodicea because the people of Laodicea say, we are rich, we are, we are this, we are that. But Jesus says, you are wretched, miserable, poor, naked, and blind. The words of Jesus are going against the experience of the people of Laodicea, and that is good news today. Please believe and understand that it is the words of Jesus that must define your reality and your truth. It is not your experience that should determine your destiny. 
It is not your experience that should evaluate your life. It is the words of Jesus that should evaluate your life. What he says should be what you hold on to. What he says should be what you live by. I don't know if I'm helping you yet, but let me help you right now. You may feel like you are nothing, but through his word, Jesus says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen, somebody. You may feel like you are nothing because you don't have people to take care of you, because you are alone, because no one is texting you. But please understand what Jesus says. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't think that you are funny. Don't think that you are weird. Jesus says of you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And allow that to be how you define your reality. Allow that to be how you will live. I don't know if I'm helping you yet. You may feel like you're broke and the money ain't going to come. But through David, Jesus says, I've been young, yet I've been old, but I've not seen his people forsaken. And so you may not have money today. You may be broke today, but you can believe that God is going to take care of every need that you have. All your riches are going to be supplied according to his riches in glory. (laughs) In fact, he's going to do abundantly above all that you can think or imagine. Hallelujah, somebody. You may feel like you have made a, you might have made a mistake. You cannot go back on that mistake. You feel like it has defined the rest of your life. No. Uh, the Bible says if you confess your mistake, if you say, Lord, I messed up. The Bible says that he'll forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The, 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 the Bible says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. God can restart your life today. <laughs> uh, please understand that you, 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 you can build up faith. You may feel like you have no faith. But the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All you need to start is to believe the word, live the word, and you're going to be a faith-filled person. Your doubts are going to disappear. Your doubts are going to diminish. Your doubts are going to be destroyed when you put faith into experience. I guess what I'm trying to say is, please do not define your life by your experience, by the things that you say about your experience. Do not define your life by what others say about you. It doesn't matter about what they say. It doesn't matter what they think. It's what Jesus says that matters. Live your life by the word of Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, I was asking a brother this week, hey, are you reading the scriptures? The brother told me no. And I said, oh, brother, you need the word. Especially in light of your situation, right? You you need the word. Uh, You see, we are robbing ourselves of the life we could be living. (laughs) We are robbing ourselves of the reality that should be ours because we're neglecting what God says. Today is the day that you and I need to decide that we're not going to live by bread alone. We're not going to live by our experiences alone. We're not going to live by what others say alone. Uh, We are going to live by every word of God because the word of God is true. It is powerful and it is going to make a difference. So let me drop this to you today. Focus on Jesus. Focus on what Jesus says, not what others are saying or what you are saying to yourself. And what is beautiful about what Jesus says is because it comes from a very good place. 
Come on now, you can say amen for that. What Jesus says comes from a good place. And, and the writer of Revelation records what Jesus says about himself. And notice what Jesus says about, him, about himself in verse 14. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of creation says this. Notice what is behind the words. It is the amen. You know, we like to say amen. Amen means to agree. So when Jesus says something, it is coming from the place of agreement. Uh, meaning that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they agree with that. We don't have to double check what Jesus says with the Spirit or the Father. They agree already. <laughs> Notice Jesus calls himself the faithful one. He will not lie on you, nor will he cheat on you. He will be faithful forever. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Uh, the words of Jesus comes from somebody who is the true witness. You see, uh, you know my life based upon the sermons you listen to or the times we interact. But you don't see me when I go to sleep. You don't see me when I wake up. You don't see me when I run. You don't see me when I'm sad. You don't see me when I'm angry. You don't see me when I, I'm tempted to look at certain things I shouldn't look at. Are you feeling what I'm saying? You don't have a full witness of my life, but Jesus has a full witness of my life. Jesus sees what I'm going through. Jesus understands my pain. Jesus understands my struggle. And therefore, when he's speaking on my life, he's not saying, I don't know what I'm saying. He's saying, because I've seen you upset, therefore I'm telling you, be calm. Because I've seen you calm, I'm telling you, can you get a little upset today? Because I've seen you, I've seen you distraught. I'm saying, can you start to see clearly today? Because I've seen you lacking, can you understand that I'm going to provide for you? Because I can see your life. I can see your situation. And please understand that this moment that I'm preaching, preaching to you is God seeing your life and speaking into your life. And if something hurts, if something makes you say, ouch, just please understand that's Jesus speaking to your life because he can see your life. But also Jesus is the origin of the creation of God. You see, God made you. He created you. So he knows the manual to the machine that he created, you. You see, if uh, the owner of Samsung would tell me about Apple, I will listen. But if Tim Cook and his crew come and sell me Apple information, I'm going to buy the product. Why? Because they made the product. So they know better about the product. And so you and I should trust Jesus because he made our lives. He, he knows what makes us tick. He knows what makes us move. And therefore, that is why you and I can take the words of Jesus and make them as the reality of our experiences because he knows our situation much, much better. Say, so I want to dig a little deeper into the situation of Laodicea this morning so that we can appreciate a little bit more what is happening. Notice Jesus says, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. You are neither hot nor cold. So I'm going to vomit you out of your mouth. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. So watch this. Laodicea has taken a neither stance. They are not against anything and they are not for anything. They are neither. <laughs> and some of us are there. Neither. <laughs> neither is a place of lukewarm. It's to be in one side and the other side, to be 
a friend to all and an enemy or none. It's the kind of person who is cool with everything. He goes with the flow. If people are hot, he's hot. If he's cold, he's cold. That's Laodicea. They, they, they are neither. Now, now, you see, when you look at the city of Laodicea, you discover that they had a water problem. They had to pump in water from Colossae and Heropolis about three to six kilometers, respectively. Colossae had cold water. But as the cold water was making its way through the aqueducts to the city of Laodicea, it became warm because of the sun's influence. As the water came from Herapolis, it was hot because Herapolis had hot springs. But the air would cool the water. So the water would arrive, look warm. The, 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 the water lost its initial condition and as it traveled, it changed into a new condition. This is where Jesus is getting up with the church of Laodicea. They started with an initial condition. They were hot for Jesus. But over time, they got cooled and they became lukewarm. Jesus said, you have changed your initial condition. You are no longer what you used to be. You were on fire for me. You were zealous for me. You were, were feverish for me. You were my ride or die. You were ready to go. You were ready to do you are ready to know. You are ready to invest. You are ready to give. You are ready to do this. There was no question before. When you knew it was about me, you just did it. But over time, your initial condition, your initial heat got cooled and changed. It revolutionized. See, believe it or not, I, I, I used to be a soccer player back in the day when I was in high school. It's a long time now. But when I started playing soccer for my high school varsity soccer team, my sophomore and junior year, and please believe that it's not every day that a sophomore is playing on the varsity team, but I was a little good. <laughs> please believe it or not. I just didn't like basketball. I'm a basketball fan now, but I used to play, to play a little soccer. I was playing right back. As a sophomore, I didn't get to start. I got to come off the bench and to kind of help the team when they needed substitutions. And at that place, trying to find my, 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 my place on the team, I was always on time for practice. I made sure that I attended every meeting. I made sure I was always on time when we were getting on the bus to go play our soccer games. Junior year, I was bumped up to starter. What that meant was I got to sit at my favorite place on the bus. What that meant was I had certain rights as a first 11. When coach is thinking of his best 11 players, I was, I was one of them. But my situation changed senior year. I got a girlfriend. 
so I had more things to do, <laughs> more places to go. So I wasn't always on time. I didn't always come to practice. And also knowing that I was the only right back on the team, I knew I was indispensable to the team, that no one could ever get rid of me. I, I, I thought. Coach talked to me a couple of times, Henry, you have to come to practice. We need you to be on the team so that we can build up our chemistry and we can continue playing. I said, yeah, yeah, coach, I hear you. But my coach saw that my initial condition had changed, that I become lukewarm now. I thought I had made it big now. I, I, I thought I was above the team. So, so, so one day as I'm coming from chemistry class and I go through the hallway and then I walk through our high school gymnasium and I'm about to enter the locker room, coach is standing at the door and he says to me, Henry, today is your last day on the team. I want you to clear out your locker. You are off the team because no person is bigger than the team. I know you're important to us, but I'd rather have somebody who is not as good playing your position than you not appreciating the position and not taking your work seriously. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that my initial condition changed. I was no longer where I was before. I was not as dedicated before. Other things became a priority in my life. The team was no longer a priority and therefore it showed in my behavior. It showed in my attitude. And is there somebody here that your initial condition has changed? Your fire for Jesus has diminished. Uh, you are no longer the first one at church. Uh, you no longer find it nice or desirous to worship. Somebody must pull you up to the place of prayer. Somebody must encourage you to give back to the Lord, whether it be your time, whether it be your talents, whether it be your treasure, whether it be your temple. You're no longer vigorous for Jesus. You're no longer on fire for Jesus. Your initial condition has changed. And you know how it has changed? It has changed because of the situations around you, because of the circumstances around you, uh, to the point that you no longer recognize yourself, you no longer know yourself, and in fact, God no longer sees you, and He says, wait a minute, I wish you were cold, I wish you were hot, but you're lukewarm, I no longer know you. Uh, so watch this important spiritual truth I want to drop to you. You must make sure your initial condition doesn't change into a new condition that God can't recognize or yourself. Again, you must make sure your initial condition doesn't change into a new condition that God doesn't recognize or you. You see, the condition of Laodicea changed because of the influence of the sun. It changed because of the influence of the wind. And it is possible that some of us are changed today because of the influences that have acted on our lives. Some of us have been influenced by the books we've been reading, the movies we've been watching, and the people we've been talking to and the people we've been listening to. Some of us have been changed because of the jobs that we do because of the groups that we've joined, because of the new habits that we have habituated in. Some of us have been changed because our outlook is different now. Life doesn't seem as sweet and as soft. Life has become hard 
and, and, and painful. Therefore, we've become, uh, we've become, we've become uh, pessimistic. Uh, every time we talk, we, we always look at the negative instead of looking at the positive. And please believe that pan the pandemic has made us more, more negative inclined. The negative is good today. The positive is bad today. And it's understandable. Uh, but some of us, because of what we've gone through, uh, our condition for Jesus is no longer the same. It is different. You see, Jesus identifies three conditions in the text. He, he talks about those who are hot. He talks about those who are cold. He talks about those who are lukewarm. And, in, and, and, and here is something that, that, that really struck me. You see, hot water, according to Leon Morris, can, can heal. Cool water can refresh, but lukewarm water, there's not much you can do with that. You see, Jesus would rather you be cold. And, and some of us, we are frosty today. We are icy today because life has been hard. It's been challenging. It's been demanding. Some, some of us have had to shut down our, our operations because the requirements of the government are just too steep. And we cannot meet our overhead costs. We cannot meet our, 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 our expenses. It's just too difficult and so our, our, our relationship with Jesus has become a little cold. And Jesus says, I wish you were cold. In other words, in seasons when we're cold, Jesus doesn't become cold back. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Jesus does not become cold. When we are cold, he is the same. When we are hot, he is the same. But he's never the same when we are lukewarm because he doesn't know what to do with lukewarm people. He doesn't, know, he doesn't know what to do with neither people. He needs you either hot, he needs you either cold. You cannot be in the middle. And so if you're cold right now, you can get hot again. If, you are, if you're hot, please remain like that. But if you are lukewarm, that is not a place to be. You need to change. You need to become hot again. And you can ask me, Lord, Pastor, how do I become hot? I drop you the words of, Hebrews 19, 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Check that out. Our God is a consuming fire. So uh, what you need is to come in contact with God. Uh, what you need is to come in contact with God. There are things I know that warm you up. For me, it's when the Golden State Warriors are playing. It, it warms me up. When I start to stretch, I start to move. It warms me up. It gets me hot. It starts to boil my blood. Uh, you see, God is like that for us. He will boil our blood. He will warm us up. And if you feel cold today, all you need to go is to him. He's, he's a consuming fire. He, he will consume you. And you know what makes you cold? Your sins make you cold. Struggle makes you cold. But when you go into the presence of God, he knows how to, uh, to, to burn up the the struggle. He knows how to burn up the sin. He, he has a way to warm us up. But if we, do, if we cannot get warm, please believe that we're going to be vomited out of the mouth of Jesus. We, we are not going to be accepted by Jesus. And notice how Jesus says it. He says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Not that I have vomited you out of my mouth. Uh, let me help somebody. You see, whenever God speaks, it's strong, it's powerful, but it's always laced with mercy. Amen, somebody.
He says, I will vomit you out. In other words, he's saying, I am warning you. You better take action today. You better make a move today because if you do not, I'll accept your condition as status quo and I will deal with you based upon your condition. I will roll with you based upon your choice. But he says, I I'll rather you become hard. I'll rather you start to appreciate me better. And the point of Jesus is that he doesn't want us to be passive. He wants us to be proactive. He wants us to take a stand. He wants us to look at the situation a little bit better and say, you know what? I'm going to do something about my lack of faith. I'm going to do something about my lack of desire for the things of God. I'm going to do something about the fact that I do not pray with my family. I'm going to do something about the fact that I've never witnessed to anybody about Jesus. I'm going to take a step. I want to be on fire for Jesus. And if there's something we can do in 2022 is to make sure that we are hot for Jesus. We are on fire for Jesus. We are, we are lit for Jesus. Amen, somebody. See, I realized something that I want you to realize about this situation of Laodicea. Because Laodicea is in this condition because they have done something that has cost them a lot. When you look at verse 20, Jesus speaks. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Can you see the condition or the placement of Jesus? He is standing at the door. Jesus is being a security guard. Jesus is watching their property. Jesus is taking care of their things. When they go out the house, they greet Jesus because he's standing at the door. When they come back in, they greet Jesus because he's standing at the door. Are you feeling what I'm, where, where I'm getting at with this? Jesus has been put outside. He's no longer inside. Therefore, because he's no longer inside, he's not able to help them when outside influences come in to impact their life. Are you feeling what way I'm getting at with this? When you boot Jesus out of your life, when Jesus is not involved in your marriage, when Jesus is not involved in your relationship, when you don't pray before you do the deal, when you don't pray before you study, when you don't pray before you go out and exercise, when Jesus is not involved in the decisions you're making, guess what? There are going to be things that are going to sit through into your life and they are not going to be helping you. They're going to change your condition from a heart condition to a lukewarm condition. But when Jesus is in your life, he is able to regulate your life. He's able to direct you. He's able to you and when negative influences come through your life just is able to say not this one let's pass this one by when when an argument is ensuing and Jesus is in your life you know that okay I'm not gonna say anything right now I I'm gonna keep the peace when Jesus is in your life he's gonna help you to decide what material you should cover for the exam. When Jesus is in your life, he's going to give you perception and discernment. You're going to feel a certain discomfort in your, in your heart when the deal ain't right. But if he ain't there, you're going to be going by your feelings. You're going to be going by your thoughts and you're going to be lost and destroyed. Please believe that when Jesus is not in our life, we hurt ourselves. But Jesus is not interested in being a security guard in your life. That is why in the text he's knocking on the door. Because he knows where he's supposed to be. <laughs> he knows he's supposed to be king in your life. He knows he's supposed to be counselor in your life. 
He knows he's the prince of peace in your life. He knows that he is God in your life. He knows that he is the word for your life. He knows that he's the way, the truth, and the life of your life. And therefore he says, I'm knocking at your door today. I want to get in. I want to get in. You see, it's interesting when you look at the grammatical information of the verb knock. Because in Greek, the grammatical information is first person, singular, present, active, indicative. Uh, that simply means two things. That Jesus is the one who is knocking at the door. He doesn't send anybody, but he's the one knocking at the door. That's what it means for it to be first person. He's come. He's come. He's come by himself. But when it says present active indicative, it's talking about an action that is real, that is ongoing. And Jesus is right there knocking personally, making sure that you know that he's interested in you. And today, I want you to understand that that's what Jesus is doing in your life. I know that at times you feel like Jesus doesn't care, but I came to let you know that he does care for your life. Uh, you need to realize that he's interested in your situation. Uh, perhaps you're asking the question, does Jesus care when my heart is pained? Uh, perhaps you're asking the question, does Jesus care when I've tried and failed? Does Jesus care when I'm sick and stressed? Does Jesus care when I feel blamed and bruised? Does Jesus care when I'm going around in circles? Does Jesus care when I have no money? Does Jesus care when I have the money, but I don't know how to handle the money? I came to tell you, oh yes, he cares. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Why don't you sing with me? Oh yes, He cares, I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. That is why Jesus is knocking on your door, because He cares. He knows you cannot handle life by yourself. And you need to realize that unless He is center in your life, you will not be able uh, to achieve. You will not be able to get where you need uh, to go. And that's why Jesus is knocking on the door right now. He says, I'm knocking. Let me in, Laodicea. Let me in. You see, what I love about Jesus is that when he points out a problem, he always gives a solution. Jesus does not give direction without a solution. And he gives the church of Laodicea a solution to their situation. He says to them, 
I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to apply to your eyes so that you may see those whom I love are rebuke and discipline therefore be zealous and repent when you look at the new english translation it really makes the message of the verse come out beautifully and let me just read that to you take my advice and buy gold from me refined by fire so you can become rich buy from me white clothing so you can be clothed and your shameful nakedness will not be exposed and buy eye salve to put on your eyes so that you can see You see Jesus is asking the church to go shopping. He's asking the church to go shopping. And it's not because they lack materially. It's not because they lack money. It's not because they lack resources, but he's saying I want you to go shopping. And that's a good news today that it's not your bank account that determines your condition. You can have all the money but be poor. You can you can have all the resources but be poor. So so Jesus is saying to the church, uh, you're wretched, miserable, poor, naked and blind. I want you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. I want you to buy from me clothes so that your nakedness does not show. I want you to buy eyesalve so that you can truly truly see. Jesus is saying to the church, I want you to go shopping. And notice Jesus doesn't say I want you to go to such and such a store to buy. No Jesus doesn't say I want you to order it online. Jesus says I want you to buy it from me. So in other words he's saying I want you to come to me. I want you to approach me. There is no other store that you can find this at. It's only in me that you can find this at. While I visited home in 2019 I visited our version of Grand Lucky which we call ShopRite. And while going through the aisles I saw kombucha. I said, "Wow, kombucha. I need some kombucha because I was missing the Blue Zone kombucha. If you haven't had that Blue Zone kombucha, you you might want to try it. It's 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 quite nice." So I was missing kombucha and and I saw kombucha and I bought it. But the moment I tasted it, I spat it out because it was not blue zone kombucha it was another kind of kombucha and I it wasn't kombucha to me so I spat it out uh, because it was not the same thing that I was used to uh, please understand what I'm trying to tell you there is no place where you can go in this world to find what you need but in Jesus other things are going to make you spit out Other things are going to take away from you. They're going to take away your resources. They're going to take away your money. But when you go to Jesus, you're going to be able to buy from him something that will never will never ever de- de- diminish, will never deplete because it is him that you get. It is him that you have. And somebody there needs to buy what Jesus is offering. And guess what? The reason why he says you got to buy, he's not saying you need to bring money, but he's simply saying, "Can you make an investment in me? Can you make an investment in me? Can you put energy and effort into my relationship with you?" 
Can you spend a little bit more money buying the resources that you need so that you can know more about the Bible? Can you give a little more to the church? Can you invest a little more in me? Can you buy from me? Can you invest in me? And that's what somebody here needs to do is to invest more in God. You're investing in so many other things. But can we start investing in God today? And please believe when we invest in God, we are going to be we are going to be benefited. We're going to be blessed. We don't need to worry when we invest in God. It's a safe investment. It's a safe bet. And I hope you realize that God is interested in a relationship with you. That He wants to take you to the next level. He's tired of a so-and-so relationship. He's tired of you not truly knowing who you're supposed to be. He's tired of that. And he's interested in taking you over the top. He's interested in making you the next best thing in faith. So as we're ending words for 2022, the call is realize where you are today. And if you know that you are not where you're supposed to be. If you know you've gotten cold for Jesus, it is time to get heated up again. And you know how you can get heated up, right? You just need to start doing the things that you know you're supposed to be doing. Perhaps somebody here needs to get heated up because you just need to make that decision finally for Jesus. You, you just need to say, you know what? I'm going to start the Bible studies. You just need to say, you know what? Uh, there's a baptism on March 26. Jesus is holding one. I'm going to be a part of it. And that's what I want somebody here to appreciate. On March 26th, we're going to have a baptism. And you can start being prepared right now. You don't have to know everything in the Bible. You just need to know that Jesus died for you. He's your personal Lord and Savior. As long as you know that and you believe that and you leave that, you are saved. We will teach you the rest of it along the way. But you can be baptized. When you say, I, I believe in Jesus. Somebody today is lukewarm. You have allowed outside things to change you. The books you're reading, the people that are around you, and they may need, it's time now to kind of get stuff away from you so that you can be hot again. Make that decision today. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us life. We realize today our true condition and we want to be hot for you. We are tired of being cold. Want to be hot. Help us, Lord, to do that. Give us the grace and the strength we need to do that. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your care. This, Lord, we humbly pray in the awesome and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You see, I know that that word spoke to you and it resonated with you at some point and you would like to respond to it. And I want to let you know that you can do that right now. Perhaps you want to do Bible studies to know more about Jesus Christ. Perhaps you want to be baptized. Perhaps you just want to recommit your life to Jesus. Please text us on the number on the screen. I'll be more than happy to respond to you and to your needs. May God bless you and take care of you. And I must see you very soon.